Okay, let's just hope this works. Okay. Uh, this is the first time in a long time, probably, that I think I'm wearing something that isn't pajamas while we record. I know. It's uh, you look you look fabulous. Oh, so so do you. We're uh, we're gonna do a drive-by birthday party for a young gentleman who just turned six. So uh, yep, we're gonna speed by, throw presents out the window, and speed off. And speed off, just like every kid dreams of. Exactly. <laughs> um yeah and i forgot to uh open up the uh episode with my rendition of walk this way oh well go for walk it walk this way walk this way all right um you guys might be very puzzled by that until uh i announce the name of the movie or you probably have seen the file name already if you've downloaded this probably but you know, um, humorous okay yeah yeah i'm jason i'm laura and welcome to Come Back a Star, a movie award plague outbreak. Yeah, yeah. The the plot to this one hits a little close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it sure does. Um, we are watching every Best Picture winner and nominee from 1927 onwards, and this week it is number zero three four, Aerosmith, not the rock band. Um, sadly, yeah, no, sadly, but um, you know, it's still pretty rock and roll. In yeah, it's, 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 it's fairly rock and roll. We're in the rock and roll age of medicine in this movie. <laughs> yep, um, that's for sure. And yes, I totally would watch a movie about Aerosmith uh, curing a plague with uh, rock and roll. Oh, yeah. I mean, Steven Tyler, MD. <laughs> Someone make that. Please do. Yes. OK, uh, so I guess we'll talk about a little bit what we do in this podcast. Yeah. Uh, so what we do is we go through the plot of the movie and we offer up our little uh, insights and uh, commentary. We are, you know, very, very qualified to do this by having watched the movie. We watched the movie and we have <laughs> thoughts and we're going to share them and you guys are going to sit there and take it. I, I guess so. Uh, <laughs> uh, and yeah, after we uh, review the plot of the movie, we rate the movie on uh, several different categories and those categories are writing acting cinematography and overall i don't know why i did them out of order but yeah you're shaking it up you know this is uh uh we can't let the audience get too comfy yeah that's it that's absolutely it <laughs> and after we do the major categories we offer up a chance for some bonus points on categories like costumes and set boldness legacy longevity and uh, technical. And uh, with all that out of the way, how about we start on the plot summary here? Let's go for it. Why don't you take it away? All right. So John Ford's 1931 Aerosmith was adapted from Sinclair Lewis's 1925 novel, uh, and it opens on a covered wagon traveling west. A determined young lady is driving the wagon, confident that she and her family will succeed in the new terrain. We are then taken kind of suddenly to a comfortable <laughs> home where an older man reveals to the child that he's talking to that this was his grandmother and that the child must live up to his grandmother's expectations and succeed in the medical field. Yeah, so this movie, and I'll probably be dis discussing this a lot throughout, is kind of reminds me a lot of Cimarron, the uh, best picture winner from last year, Right, um, opens on traveling wagons and kind of travels forward in time and also kind of i'd say this movie is a lot better than cimarron but i think it does suffer some of the same faults which is that they just didn't quite know the best way to adapt sprawling epic novels back then it yeah. feels a little episodic 
Yeah, it's uh, w- the way that I've described it to you when we've been discussing it is it feels like someone telling you the plot of a good movie through right. through video. And <laughs> kind of like this, but through video. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, exactly. Exactly. It's like this, but through video. So you're kind of getting this uh, third hand here. Sorry about that. <laughs> You're getting it through the filter of transferring the book to to a movie and then from the movie to us jabbering about it. Yeah. Through audio. Through audio. Exactly. Uh, um, it looks beautiful. Thanks to John Ford, because John Ford was a hell of a director. But yeah. My wife really likes the novel. So um, if we if we don't get through this with uh, recommending the movie, which I kind of think we will. Yeah. Um. At least go check out the uh, the better audio version of it, which would be an audiobook. Yes, <laughs> or print, you know. Yeah, whatever you whatever you decide. Use your ears or your eyeballs. You right. you the options are there. Yeah, uh, the child whose name is Martin Aerosmith grows up into an ambitious young medical student, played by Ronald Coleman. He introduces himself to Dr. Max Gottlieb, a famous bacteriologist played by A.E. Anson. Gottlieb is impressed by Aerosmith's ambition, but advises him to complete his studies before deciding on a set career path. As Aerosmith gets his M.D. and becomes a doctor, he meets an outspoken nurse named Leora, played by Helen Hayes, and quickly falls in love with her. And I would say she is the best character, and Helen Hayes gives the best performance. Yeah, she's great. Um, and apparently in the novel, she's also great. Yeah, because uh, Cassandra, his wife, my sister, uh, has really set me on fire to read the book. She says, you'll like Leora even better in the book. Um, you know, Hayes was known as like the first uh, lady of American theater, but she is like so at ease on camera. Right. You know, you a lot of stage actors uh, like Laurence Olivier would talk about how stiff they were their like first couple times on film because they didn't quite yet know how to transfer, like how to kind of rein in some of the, you know, more theatrics you have to employ in theater right. to reach the back of an audience to like rein it in for the camera. But you don't see that at all with Hayes. She's so comfortable, like right away. Yeah, she feels natural. And yeah, yeah. If you hadn't told me that she was a stage actress, then I wouldn't have picked up on that. Right, exactly. So because he's fallen in love with her, he turns down Gottlieb's offer to work for him in New York in order to marry Lee. And the newlywed couple moved to Lee's hometown in South Dakota. Oh, yeah. So um, which is kind of a big uh, departure. And I feel like if we had gotten a larger epic movie which i'm not always a fan of Mm -hmm. of making you know taking this epic novel and turning it into five hours yeah we don't need a miniseries all the time uh but you do feel like we've missed a little bit of that big change for aerosmith because it happened so quickly and the relationship uh before the marriage happened so quickly yeah like on their first date he says he's gonna marry her Right. And right. she's not opposed to the idea. So it's very much a right away va 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 voom between them. Right. And you also just you don't get the sense of how committed he was to going to New York and becoming this uh research doctor. Yeah, I love I love Ronald Coleman. If you see him, I bet this was nominated for Best Picture, so I bet we'll see it. I think it was around 35. He played uh Sidney Carton in uh Tale of Two Cities. And he was fantastic. However, I'm just not a huge fan of him in this. Like, he has a really good moment later on I'll talk about. But I feel like he's just a... 
like, especially next to Hayes, he actually seems a little stiff and detached. Um, he's not bad. I just don't really believe him as like a uh, kind of a starry eyed, young, ambitious doctor. He seems like he'd be better in like some kind of sophisticated drawing room, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. I get that. It's almost like he should have been swapped with um, a ca- character that comes up later. That is a um, kind of like his research facility right head. yeah they could have yeah that would have been a good little role switch i can't i never i didn't find that actor's name i should look him up but he was really good very small part but very good right uh so they this newlywed couple instead of going to new york they head off to south dakota and uh, after a volatile introduction to lee's family who are upset that they married without notifying them and are scared that they're going to ask for money. Aerosmith. Uh, <laughs> That's a pretty good scene. It also cements how awesome Lee is. Because he's Martin's like, I'm not asking you for money. And Lee's like, well, I am. We need to set up shop. <laughs> she's right. She's just great. Yeah. I'm I'm again. You can tell that there was probably more to that dynamic with her family that we just don't get. Yeah, we just don't get because they just didn't know. I mean, pro- maybe this would have worked better as a miniseries, but there just wasn't. That really wasn't in the vernacular back then. So it's like they just tried to like skim. They skimmed, basically. You get the feeling. And it again, just like Cimarron. Yeah, you, some things just don't get quite developed enough. Um, yeah. Aerosmith sets himself, at, sets himself up as the town's doctor. Uh, the only doctor in yeah. a town of like 360 something, they said. Right, right. And it's very much... Uh, Kind of sitcomish. You could see this as a sitcom, like the 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 city doctor coming into this very rural place and the hijinks of trying to set up. And you get that a little bit here. Yeah, he's uh discouraged when his first patient, the daughter of a young uh, Swedish immigrant, dies of diphtheria, um, essentially because he's been called too late and yeah. he doesn't have the facilities to perform the surgery that he would need to do. Right, and it shows you know how seriously he takes. Uh, his career, though, that, you know, he's very frustrated by this and very downhearted. And, you know, I love Lee, but she is kind of delegated throughout as being sort of his pick me up. And uh, yeah. that's kind of what she does. I do wish we'd gotten more kind of an autonomously, but there probably just wasn't time with everything else going on in this movie. Yeah, well, she's a nurse as well, which I kind of found weird. I mean, I think initially she's supposed to be kind of like his assistant but yeah. that kind of falls by the wayside eventually and they don't really go into I think why it, yeah. or how i mean i think it was just kind of the unspoken default mindset back then that once the woman is married to a guy who has a career of his own she puts aside her ambitions and uh you know it makes no sense though if he needs help i know i and he, yeah he refers to getting help from her at a couple of points in the movie but we don't really get to see it much no we don't i mean again she is delegated mostly to being you know his inspiration his comfort a bloody bloody blah right um eventually the townsfolk uh warm up to him and he takes care of them including uh, in one scene, he pulls out a young boy's tooth by tying a string to it and then pushing the boy back in his rocking chair. You did not like that scene, did you? <laughs> I did not. I had to look away. I don't do tooth things. I don't blame you. Like, luckily, it's not as bad as you think it's going to be. I thought he was because there was a dog in the scene. And I, th- I, I thought he was going to, like, loop the ra- rope around the dog and have the dog run off. And that's how the tooth is going to get yanked out. And I'm like, no, thank you. It's a little less violent than that. There's still no. plenty violent. Yeah, he uses fire, which I thought was 
bizarre, but I think the kids who were there watching this happen thought it was cool. So maybe that's why he did it. Oh, yeah. Little monsters. They probably loved it. Make Uh, him cry again, Doc. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, after this, again, that just a scene to establish that he has a rapport. Yeah, there are a lot of little scenes, so that's fine. But and also to establish that he's not afraid of kind of. veering into other medical professions domain so that's yeah, true he doodly dips his toes in into some dentistry there dentistry there and uh, other fields as we'll soon see right he attends a lecture in minneapolis by a um the lecture is given by this pompous colorful but good-hearted swedish doctor dr gustav sondalis played by richard bennett uh, am I pronouncing that correctly? I think Sondelius? it's, I think it's Sondelius. Sondelius. Okay, that's right. I, I, I knew it was wrong. Um, Sondelius is an expert in uh, the bubonic plague, uh, which he has treated in various developing countries around the world. Aerosmith takes Sondelius out for drinks uh, after the lecture and is inspired anew to make a difference. And uh, I think Sondelius is, is great. I love uh, Sondelius. I mean, obviously he's supposed to be like a, an audience favorite from the first and darn it, they succeed because he's great. Yeah. And he kind of says, uh, you know, this is the heroic era of medicine as I've heard it referred to on the great podcast Sawbones. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, where you think these doctors are out there to go, you know, change the world, save everybody and everything like that. And that's kind of the, it's a very male mentality as well. Mm. Um, And, you know, Aerosmith is kind of down on himself thinking like, well, Sondelius has gone all over the world, you know, curing all these people and saving people from this pandemic. And I'm just whimsically pulling out teeth. Right. And Sondelius is like, well, you know, you have plenty of people to take care of right here. Yeah. And I I like that attitude. Yeah, because it's like you can't. Not everybody could go to the developing countries because then who is going to take care of the little girl with diphtheria in South Dakota? Right, right. They're, and yeah. you're saving lives there as, as well. It's like you wherever know? you are, just treat people, basically. Right. Um, so Aerosmith um, is, you know, after he's talking with Sondelius, he's like, yeah, I'm going to. He kind of throws himself back into the work. Yeah, he's kind of reignited his his uh, love for the field and uh and then he veers into veterinary science (laughs) as one does and uh his genius is finally revealed when he develops a serum to cure a disease in the town cows yeah which is fun and (laughs) yeah greatly upsetting the uh the state veterinarian that comes to like address this plague that's been taking out the cattle yeah yeah he uh so this really pisses him off and he even gets in like a little fisticuffs with aerosmith that aerosmith easily wins by like one little quick jab to the jaw yeah the guy's down it's like the state vet like looks like he's about to throw a punch and aerosmith just decks him beats him to the punch actually exactly so his uh you know miraculous serum attracts the attention of gottlieb's team back in new york who again invites him to work for the prestigious mcgurk institute uh very tragically lee meanwhile has miscarried their child and decided that since she can't take care of a child She'll take care of Aerosmith and agrees they should go to New York. Again, kind of cementing that, you know, this firecracker, wonderful character Lee. She's kind of subjugated everything to taking care of Aerosmith. And uh, it's a little disappointing, but also, you know, 
it would be a little much to expect in a movie like it, that takes place around this time. And it's so focused on this one character. It is, um, yeah. It's uh, <laughs> this one white male character, uh, unsurprisingly. But you do also get the sense that she, at least in the beginning, she does have like a willfulness to her own. Mm-hmm. And she pushes back on him. She yeah. is also knowledgeable of what he does. Right. Which is a nice, like, de- change from what I feel like we could have gotten, where it's just this, the wife is just like, I'll take care of you. I don't understand what, I what you do. I don't understand your man business, but I'm here for you. Yeah. Right, right. She she at least gets it. She at least gets it. Yeah. And um, so she's pushed yeah. aside, which later we see he regrets. Right. Because things would have been pretty different, actually, if he had included her in his work. So they're both initially overwhelmed by the hustle and bustle of New York City. And Aerosmith becomes discouraged by the lack of progress in his work over, I think it's like a span of like two years. Right. Um, He's on the brink of quitting when he discovers that a serum he concocted kills the germ he placed in the serum. And, you know, he's at first frantic because he doesn't quite know how he did it. And so there's a lot of testing. But before he can really figure it out, Dr. Tubbs, which is a great name for this kind of character, uh, he's the overly ambitious head of the Institute. He advertises the serum to the papers as killing every type of germ to Aerosmith's very understandable theory since he doesn't yet fully understand his own serum. Right. And it's, you know, a big red flag for him that, you know, Gottlieb is a good guy. Terry, his friend in the lab, is a good guy. But Tubbs has his eye on uh, publicity. Publicity. So he but so he does agree, though, to go to the West Indies, where there's an outbreak of the bubonic plague. He's ecstatic to team up with good old Sondelius and promises Gottlieb to employ the scientific method and inject half his patients with a placebo. Uh, on deck on the deck of the boat, Leora surprises her husband by joining him on the expedition. Right. She kind of takes matters into her own hands on that regard. Yeah. Just the Leora refuses, way. refuses to be left behind in New York. So good on her. Good on her. For now. For yeah, for now. Um <laughs> foreshadowing. Uh Aerosmith's insistence on following Gottlieb's instructions infuriates the governors of the West Indies who refuse his services. Essentially, um, you know, they're not pleased with the idea of half of half of their population not getting the, the right. treatment because of you know the scientific method. And you know, Gottlieb and now uh Aerosmith are arguing like, look, you know, that's the short sighted uh, view of this. By uh, doing this, we can uh, further perfect the serum so that future generations. Right. We can prove that it works. And it's also kind of found find out why and things like that. You know, yeah. it's, it's how medicine gets done. And, and, you know, I mean, I'm, you know, good for them for like portraying, I think, both sides of a very tricky argument. Um, right. That I mean. Given where we are currently in the world, I definitely emotionally relate more to the governors, you know, of like, right. let's save as many people as we can. Like, that's what's important right now. Right. We we see parallels definitely in our own time with, yes. with COVID. Oh, yes. And so after this very public um, refusal by the governors for any treatment, because that's basically what he says is like, either you're not getting this treatment at all, or I'm giving it to half of the people so we can study it. Right. Um, he gets approached by Howard university graduate, Dr. Oliver Marchand played by Clarence Brooks. 
and he is intrigued and convinces Aerosmith to proceed at the neighboring island. And uh, Aerosmith convinces a reluctant Lee to stay behind at their hut in the uh, main island so he can go to uh, where it's the outbreak is the worst. Yeah. And, and of course, getting the least amount of attention, because as we see now, uh, it is always the poorer communities that get hit the hardest. Right, right. And um, yeah, Dr. Dr. Olivier Marchand is. Um, is what did you say, like the kind of like one of the very first portrayals of He's, of a black person who is educated and not given some. You know, stereotypical. Yeah, I at least did the trivia for IMDb. It said at least the first it's the first sound picture uh, where. Yeah, I I mean, and this is why definitely part of why I give it so much credit over Cimarron in the end. Uh, When you think of like how they treated poor Isaiah in that one versus how they treat Marchand here, who is. Dignified, dedicated and just. Yeah, he's he's just a regular character. A regular character, but you know, I think it's very telling that he uh watches the whole uh you know argument with the governors from like kind of the gallery right. above. He is not part of the actual uh committee. He has right. to like do the legwork of approaching Aerosmith himself. And luckily Aerosmith is uh fair-minded enough to like listen to him and take his advice. So I mean, it's very I think a subtle highlight of like how much, you know, white people we screw ourselves over by not including uh, intake from other uh, groups of people. Right. And it it's kind of like he's a regular character. He's part of the, you know, the conversation and everything like that. But the movie doesn't really shy from from exactly what you're talking about, right. about how he um, has to work extra hard to get any kind of uh, leverage or acknowledgement. acknowledgement. I mean, he's yeah. he's from the area. He's or he's working in the area where the plague is the worst, and uh, it just so happens to be a a African ancestry. Uh, yeah, heavily black uh, population, and uh, you know, and I think it's you know makes us like Aerosmith better too. You know that he doesn't even hesitate. He, uh, you know, the only you know thing he does is leave behind Lee. Which does make me angry because I'm like, she is a nurse. Yeah. Like, that let her me use too. her expertise. But, you know, he is in love with her and he wants to protect her. Right. Um, and then we, we get a little bit of plot contrivance here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because she kind of like walks up to him with like this rack of beakers and says, like, what should I do with these? <laughs> and um, the the like the, the rack of Beakers is apparently filled with examples of of the plague, with samples of the plague, and uh, unbeknownst to them, a uh, a beaker kind of like tips over, and the plague drips onto a cigarette underneath it. That Lee, then later, much later, it seems, lights and smokes. Yeah. So maybe she's not the world's best nurse, but still, <laughs> no. I mean, that's not her fault. But. Yeah, she it's it's presented as like her not knowing or realizing it at all before taking all the test tubes and boiling them and sanitizing them and everything like that. Yeah, it's if it wasn't for this one drip one of drip. a liquid and it's and her smoking habit. Ugh. Yeah, it's a it's kind of a contrivance, but we'll excuse it. We'll excuse it. 
Uh, Aerosmith, Marchand, and Sondelius begin their inoculations, including the household of the wealthy plantation owner, Twyford, who is at first a real jerk. And of course. You know, he's like the one white family, and of course he controls the entire governing of the island. So, uh, but, you know, eventually when he figures out, oh, inoculations, yeah, do what you want. Mm -hmm. Uh, One member of this household is the beautiful Mrs. Joyce Lanyon, played by uh, Myrna Loy, who I think is a bit wasted here. Uh, A little bit. She barely appears. She barely appears. And apparently that was by design because, again, the Hays Code was starting up and uh, she and Aerosmith share an immediate attraction, but they can't go too deeply into that. So, unfortunately, Sondelius comes down with the disease and soon dies, but not before encouraging Aerosmith to abandon the scientific method and save as many lives as he can. So, I think, you know, this movie does land on pretty strongly on one side of the argument here. Yeah, and um, I would argue also that he had already done enough of the um, half of one, not of the other. Right, at this point. He he should have been fine, but uh, <laughs> you know, probably a little bit more accelerated than we would do in these days with the uh, FDA. But yeah, you I know, mean, but that's a- why they had to do it at like this backwater community where uh, no one really cared what happened to the residents. Yeah, that's that's not cool. No. Um, but you know, half of them got treatment, while the rest of the islands didn't get any treatment. So there we go. So there we go. Uh, so. Aerosmith grows concerned about Lee's safety after uh, Sondelius uh, dies. Yeah, which is a very sad scene. And Marchand agrees to go back to the main island to check on her. And also just the kind of... he He's also kind of coordinating the rest of the... Um, yeah, he's working his tail off. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's coordinating the rest of the inoculations. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aerosmith stays at Twyford's plantation where it is implied that he sleeps with Joyce. In like the most roundabout, yeah, way that they opaic could, way. It's like they they're in rooms right next to each other, and you see him like studying her door, and he could kind of see her like shadow beneath, like the the crack of the door. And I think that's the the movie's way of saying, without saying, that they, you know, probably succumb to passion or whatever. But again, they didn't want to just come out and say it. Yeah, which and, is lame. Yeah, it, it just kind of came off as weird. Yeah. Um, he uh, receives a call from the sick Marchand um, who, yeah, Marchand has gotten sick. I don't know why they haven't given themselves the inoculation, but I, yeah, I maybe mean, the inoculation is not perfect, I guess. But uh, but before Marchand can even speak, he passes away at the uh, at the phone receiver, which, again, pretty contrived, but still pretty effective because, you know, Marchand is great and it is it does suck that. You know, that is a problem with movies up to now that, you know, you present this great, like, really multi-layered black character and, you know, that he, and he dies. Yeah. And he dies, you know, to make us the, feel sad. As as good as it was for this movie to have that character, it was not the most racially advanced, mm-hmm. uh, racial politics advanced uh, movie. No, no. I mean, again way above something like Cimarron that gives a lot of lip service without actually having any characters or actors of color. Uh, per, this, this movie has one. And, <laughs> that has one? And, and the rest <laughs> of the black characters are shown as kind of superstitious and a, a lot of negative stereotypes. I mean, not as like, there's no 
like shuffly or kind of like a uh, racist dialect, but yeah, they are just kind of delegated to the background and showed. Yeah. Like you said, it's deeply superstitious. I think there is like a moment of empathy for the mother who's holding her baby where Aerosmith actually shows a lot of lack of empathy, but going, Oh, there's nothing I could do for this kid. And like, just like movies her along and her like look of just horror and despair, I think is, was a very good move on Ford's part. But yeah, overall, this is about the white characters. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, Aerosmith rushes to the island after realizing that Marchand is probably dead and he's concerned about Lee and he is crushed to find her dead body as he enters the, the hut and he carries her to her bed and weeps over her, uh, telling her that he could never love anyone but her. Yeah. Despite a couple of scenes before. Uh, a couple having... of scenes before. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, you know, is meant to augment his uh, his grief because he has this guilt. Um, and we see him like in the closet, touching Lee's clothes and caressing them. So I think, you know, he's uh, he's kind of in hell. So overwhelmed with grief. And I think it's Ronald Coleman's best scene in a drunken hysteria. Aerosmith finally abandons the scientific method and inoculates the entire island, including the now ecstatic governors. And uh, yeah, because he's just letting loose and throwing bottles at, at the at the wall. And I think, you know, because Coleman has been so kind of like kind of stiff and detached throughout it is unsettling to suddenly see him kind of break loose and i see a little bit of what made him so fun in a uh, tale of two cities right right uh the island is saved and he goes back to new york lauded and celebrated dr tubbs is eager to steer aerosmith straight to a reception in his honor but after aerosmith aerosmith's colleague and friend terry informs him that gottlieb is growing senile aerosmith heads directly to gottlieb's lab he tries explaining to the old man why he decided to disobey his instructions, only to find him insensible from a sudden stroke. Again, just a little contrived timing, but uh, disgusted by Tubbs' blithe dismissal of Gottlieb and eager to, eagerness to capitalize on Aerosmith's success, Aerosmith decides to join Terry in starting their own laboratory to devote to science and helping mankind. He even turns away Joyce, who shows up to offer her friendship. He becomes eager to devote himself fully to his work. and. That is the end. He ends up victorious, but alone. Victorious, but alone, which uh, is sad. But, you know, I admire that the movie goes there. Yeah, it makes for makes for good storytelling. It does. Yeah. So I feel a lot about this movie, kind of like I did about Front Page from last year, and that I really respect it. Mm -hmm. I think there was a heck of a lot of talent involved. I think it had a lot of good messages, but I just wasn't as emotionally pulled in as I should have been. Like, obviously, I was crazy about Lee. Hayes really made her come alive. And um, it wasn't like I, did, you know, wasn't, you know, affected at all by seeing, you know, the effects of the plague and everything throughout. But I do feel like because there was such this determination to, like, cover the key points without going too in depth, I just felt a little emotionally removed. Yeah, yeah. It really felt like they had to hit, like, the major points of the novel rather than tell a... I guess not, not, I mean, they told a good fully formed story right. with, through the movie, but it, it felt like it, again, it felt more like a retelling of the book in a different medium rather than its own story based off of the book. If that you makes know, sense, you know, like uh, those kind of documentaries that will like have like reenactments throughout, but it's still like a documentary. There's still narration and talking heads, but just occasionally you'll get like, reenactments throughout that's kind of how like movies like this and Cimarron feel 
Um, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, the story is what the director wants to tell. And it's like, okay, that's great. But really what's going to attract and bring in the viewer is going to be like the character interactions and the little character moments. And we do see that kind of throughout, like with little boy and his tooth and and stuff like that. But it's just not enough. And it does. It is just too quickly skimmed over. Um, Some trivia. Uh, Yeah. Most of Myrna Loy's character was scrapped because of uh censorship and she was like oh, boo. like she's like i filmed so many scenes and like none of them showed up so luckily you know and loy i think just hadn't quite found her niche yet she is so much better in like kind of sort of lightly comedic roles so she she kind of gets lost in the shuffle here um but yeah other than that there's not a heck of a lot of uh of trivia um i this must have been an early film of John Ford, who, of course, became well more well known for his westerns. But uh, he was he was a great, you know, kind of immortal film eccentric who, uh, you know, was very kind of misanthropic, uh, but very very liberal. And so was you know his films were usually pretty progressive as far as westerns go. Not that they didn't have their problematic elements as westerns back then obviously did. Right. But you can definitely see his talent here. I mean, spoiler alert, cinematography is going to get very high on my uh, ranking. Speaking of which, shall we get into the rating? Let's get into it. Yeah. Okay. So our first category is acting. Um, How did you feel the acting went? Well, I'm torn between, I think I'll give it a seven. I really, Hayes was the best actor in this. I mean, Mm -hmm. at least the best performance. Uh, I I did really uh, enjoy Bennett as Sondelius. He was great. Um, Brooks was very good as Marchand, but, you know, as good as he was and as good as Marchand's character was, he wasn't really given a, quite enough opportunity to shine. My biggest problem, again, is Coleman. I just feel like he was miscast. Like, he wasn't yeah. bad. I just didn't... He just wasn't believable to me as this character. Yeah, I can see that. I'm going to I'm going to match your seven actually for all the same reasons. Um unfortunately, it's Coleman who's the main character. Yeah. <laughs> so we see we demand the most from him and he has some pretty good flashes of of, you know, humanity and and chances to act and he doesn't he doesn't well. But um kind of his default mode, however, is kind of wooden and mm-hmm. And just not all that engaging. Yeah, yeah, just not very engaged. I feel like if James Dunn from uh, last week's episode, Bad Girl, had had the role, it would have been better. Like someone who is less sophisticated and more, I guess, just a little more down to earth, I guess. Yeah. I Uh, mean, he's supposed to have his flights of ambitious fancy, which Dunn captures in Bad Girl. But uh, yeah, I just, Coleman wasn't believable for me yeah i can see that for sure um next category up is the writing how did you feel like the writing went i feel to me this is where it it kind of failed yeah Yeah. i'll give it a six i guess six i feel like it's it's about it's it's a net net positive but Mm -hmm. i mean they well they had the book to work off of which according to my sister is very good so i think that's really more probably to the credit of the book than maybe the actual uh, script. I'm going to go ahead and give it a five. 
Um, I was debating. Yeah. Uh, just Between because I, I feel like it's a, I, I guess, kind of a net neutral. Yeah. It, it didn't, it kind of got in the way in a lot of places. The dialogue wasn't bad or anything like that. It's just the way that it jumped around wasn't yeah. very good. Like, I feel like, for example, Lee's character, you know, we meet her and she's a little smart mouth uh, nurse who doesn't show Aerosmith the respect he's used to getting from nurses. And she's just kind of a smart Alec who isn't afraid to stand up to her parents. But even though, you know, Hayes still, you know, stays on top of the performance, I do feel like eventually her dialogue comes down to, oh, honey, it's okay. Yeah. And it's just, it's a little, it's a little like you'll lose her. And I think it does become so obsessed with hitting each point of the plot that we do. It just forgets the characters a little. Yeah, just a little bit. And our third category is cinematography. Yeah, I'm going to give it a 10. I thought it was beautifully shot, beautifully shot movie. Um, Especially, I think, the scenes where Lee is dying, I think, uh, in the hut, Um, the Mm -hmm. the shadows. And uh, and you really get the kind of sort of claustrophobic feel of that hut and just the kind of despair of how alone she is. So I think, yeah, I think it was a gorgeously shot film. I mean, the New York scenes, too, really, like, whatever was going on with those sets, really kind of a little surreal, almost. I am going to go ahead and give it a nine. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, There's nothing, anything wrong with it. Um, I wouldn't say it's, like, Citizen Kane levels of innovative or anything like that but it is good it is really Mm -hmm. really good i would agree with that and i understand your 10 i'm just being reserved being reserved oh (laughs) reserve aloof doctor decanter um so next up our our last major category is uh overall how well does the acting writing and cinematography work together to make an overall product (laughs) I'll go with seven, like maybe six, six or seven, six or seven, uh, 6.5. <laughs> no, I'll go with seven. Um, cause it was a, it was a solid flick. I mean, it had pretty good pacing, even though I think it could have spent more time on character and maybe have recasted Pullman. Um, so seven, if you're, if you're going to go with a seven, I'll go with a six. There we go. That? There we go. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't, th- I don't think it was bad. It was maybe a little bit on the boring side. It was, I mean, like you could have good pacing, but still be kind of boring. <laughs> there are lots of lab scenes. Which There, there are lots of lab scenes. And uh, you could film those beakers in cool angles all you want for it but there should be a little more action and character interaction okay um our chance for bonus points now with the bonus rounds let's see so costumes and set how well did they do with that you know i think i'll give them a four uh mostly for the sets this time around i thought the sets were very impressive um yeah. Like the skies, like, you know, when they they do a very obvious but still pretty effective juxtaposition when they move from South Dakota to uh, New York. They, there's a shot of like the kind of shoddy uh, uh, like general store 
at South Dakota and then this huge, like gargantuan uh, uh, skyscraper in New York City. And you really do get the sense that they are, that uh, Lee and Aerosmith are just kind of dwarfed by this gigantic city. And then they enter the office and it is like this almost Emerald City-esque sized space that is probably not totally realistic, but whatever. Yeah, it's um, that's a good point from the cinematography, too, is yeah. like in the South Dakota scenes, all the scenes are very claustrophobic, almost mm-hmm. They're very small. Again, it's exactly what it's meant to communicate. Yeah, it's, it's and small, same on the cramped. island, too. Yeah. And in New York, everything is big and open and broad. And right. it just feels you feel like you're in a place of grandeur. Yes. Um. Yeah, I was debating between three and four, but you have convinced me after this conversation to go with a four. All right. Um, our next category, I think, is going to be a little bit tricky because it's boldness. How bold with this movie? <sighs> what risks did it take that paid off and which didn't? I mean, I, I feel kind of cranky about giving the boldness for Marchand's character because it shouldn't be bold to have. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> um, it, I feel like it's giving them too much credit for doing something they should have done all along. So, and, you know, they weren't very bold with uh, Joyce's character because I think they wanted to make Aerosmith as likable as we as they could. And it's not a very likable character move to cheat on your dying wife, even if you don't know she's dying at that point. Right. Um, so I, I guess a, t- a two, I guess. That was exactly what I was going to give yeah. it to. Um, yeah, it's it's cool that Marshawn was a good portrayal of, um, of a black character. I don't think that the portrayals of the other black characters were terribly progressive. Yeah, it you don't get to proclaim like huge uh progressiveness when you've got like one character of like thousands of that character of that of that like race not as dignified right. or as and I think you know it's very easy you can see right what how like be like watching old movies you can get to the point where you're like any sign of progress is like magnified and it's like so we we have to like remember like no they should have done even more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so double twos for boldness there. Okay. Their next category up is legacy. How how much of a legacy do you think this movie had in terms of impacting movies that came afterwards? I think I think the cinematography. Oh, yeah. I mean, I could see. I mean, Ford really was a huge influence on a lot of the big directors that came along in the 20th century. So I'm going to definitely give a point for that. Um, and I think that I do think that's probably one is all I'm going to give because I can't really see. I mean, it didn't really break any conventions when it came to telling uh, a novel story. It really was just kind of a lot like it was like a better version of Cimarron. Like, yeah, the, I can yeah. see that. I am. Hmm. 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 I will give it a two, okay. I guess. Be a little nicer than me. Yeah, just 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 a little bit. Um, just because I do think the cinematography was definitely studied and, and used later. Yeah. And um, I think uh, I think Leora's Lee's character was 
kind of the inspiration, maybe, maybe for similar characters afterwards. You know? This yeah. kind of bold go-getter sort of a woman that we kind of appreciate later in the 30s. Yes, she's definitely a precursor to uh, the kind of, um, yeah, hot-headed, uh, independent female character we do see a lot. So good, that's a good, you know, let's change mine to a two. You've talked about it. Alrighty. He's, so double twos yeah. for legacy as well. Okay, so longevity. How well does this movie stand up over time? I mean, definitely better than something like Cimarron, because you know, <laughs> at least they do give like the one character of color like dignity and agency and all of that. Um but like you said, it was a little bit of a bore. And um, you know, we are I think we have become a little better at storytelling when it comes to something like this. Either we do make a, a miniseries or we take more liberty with the uh, material to make it more cinematic. So I think we'll give it another two. Another two? Yeah. I I would have to agree with uh just for exactly the same reasons. Yeah. Uh it, it it was a little bit on the boring side. Um, yeah, yeah. It just... And mainly because it just didn't take the time on anything to really sink in. So you just kind of watch these things go by. I think I think the main problems of this are the writing and Coleman's casting, unfortunately. Because I really do think Coleman was a talented actor. Um, and he was very charismatic in later movies. This just wasn't the vehicle for him. And it wasn't the role for him. Um, I think, you know, the most likable presence in the movie is Helen Hayes. I mean, I, so I do recommend it for her. Yeah. Basically alone. And, you know, <laughs> again, I feel weird saying this. If you want to see a good black character in an early thirties movie, I mean, yeah, check yeah. this out. Yeah. That performance is fantastic as well yeah brooks is great i mean again he's not given a heck of a lot to do but what he does he does well he's not like oh he doesn't i mean it's a very kind of understated performance which really works because you get the sense that he's a character who's had to kind of to make any sort of difference he's had to kind of work in the background mm -hmm. and uh he does that very believably but he's also like Brooks plays him as very caring as well. Very and you, caring. And that's kind of a important difference that you pull, even though he's on the same side as Aerosmith um, in the terms of the scientific method and everything like that. You do really get the sense that he cares about the people around him. Right, right. It's like he does have this kind of haunted look to him. Like in that first thing, like he's probably been like, the only person really taking care of the people on the islands that the governors don't care about. And so even though he might not agree with Aerosmith's scientific method, he's like, this might be the only chance to save anybody. Right. There's so that too. yeah, he does a good job of kind of, he looks very weary and very like, yeah, haunted. And I and again, it's not overdone. It's not overstated. I think, and I think that comes down to Brooks. So like Brooks, Hayes, um, Bennett as Sondelius is very good. Um, and ugh, I can't believe I didn't write down the guy, the name, the name of the guy who played Terry, who's also very good. They're, they're, oh, yeah, they're very good. good. They really ground the movie. But, you know, the main character is Aerosmith. And I just feel like Holman just he's just like a different universe of acting from the rest. He's very, like I said, kind of drawing room, whereas mm -hmm. this is way more gritty. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can see that. I can yeah. see that. Our uh, final category for bonus points is technical. Not 
a huge amount of chance to use technical stuff. Well, there is like the seats on the islands. There's a seat of rain where I can't understand what anyone is saying. So they didn't do that particularly well. Um, They made the rain. They did make the rain. And I have to say, and this I think might just come down more to the production design, which probably falls into the set where I gave it a very high score. Like the, they, they do feel very real. Like you feel like you're probably in a setting that South Dakota, like captures the grandeur of New York and it, Really, you really do get kind of an island feel from like the West Indies scenes. But again, I don't know how much of that is technical versus uh, just setting. So I'll give it a two. I think two is the number I'm giving out for uh, for the bonuses this time around. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give it a two, I guess, mainly for like the rain effects, although the audio wasn't great. Yeah. But they did have that effect going on. Right. They right. did take some some tech out there. It didn't feel water. yeah. It didn't feel stagey. Yeah. Even though you could I mean you could tell that it well, was sound stage, but they really but, put the work in. Yeah, let's let's put it that way. Yeah, you feel like a lot of work was put into this movie, which I do respect. Okay, so we have a final score for Aerosmith, and that would be eighty one. Ooh. And that is compared to, for example, Cimarron's 51. Um, <laughs> wow, we were pretty hard on Cimarron. I mean, yeah, we, you know, right we, we don't like Cimarron very no. much. Um, yeah, Aerosmith actually beat Cimarron's 51 with just without any bonus points. Jeez. So, so well, there we go. I mean, um, cinematography and Helen Hayes saved yeah. this movie. Yeah. Oh, bizarrely enough. Um, Aerosmith is one point behind the smiling lieutenant. What? I don't know how that how happened. How did that happen? Oh my God. I think I was just so happy that a Marie Chevalier movie actually had f- positive interactions between two women that I probably went overboard <laughs> creating that. But yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if I did I tally up this correctly? I guess I did. Um, I'll have to go back and double check. Maybe for the uh, roundup, I'll find that. Uh, <laughs> And I've wildly miscalculated something. But your your wild crush on Marie Chevalier is skewing this whole scoring process. I know, I know. Oh my god, those Frenchmen. Um, yeah, I mean, I recommend it. I recommend Aerosmith. I think it's it's a, it's worth a watch. Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's. Of course, the big question now is: Is it worthy of a Notsker nod, our own movie award podcast movie award? I am going to give it to it because I do think I mean I think for cinematography almost for it has a lot of really good elements going for it and it's not a bad movie um, which really shouldn't be the qualification to get nominated but like I don't I, I have a feeling it's not going to be the winner we've already seen movies that I like better than this but um, just for reference um, we gave the nod to five star final, the champ and bad girl most recently. And the two Marie Chevalier movies and Shanghai express. We did not give it to, um, and Shanghai express actually scored 98. So considerably higher. Um, Hmm. Yeah. I I don't know. I feel like we kind of downgraded looking at these scores. We were a little bit rough on it in the main categories. Um, not that I'm revising my scores at all, but I think I just had 
my expectations were pretty high because Cassandra yeah. had like, you know, talked about how much she liked the book. And I love and I, of course, I know John Ford and uh, Ronald Coleman. But and I think because of those high expectations, it just didn't quite mm. go like hit hit the mark. So I yeah. Do I want to give it an Oscar? I have been going back and forth. When we started this, I thought definitely. And then after discussing it some more, I feel like it's kind of in the category along with Shanghai Express of like, I can see how that's a good movie. It was not my thing. Right. Um, But I don't know. I'm leaning towards no at the moment. Just because we have five star final, the champ and bad girl, you know, to compare it to. You've you, you've you've talked me around. I'm going to give it a no too. Sorry, Aerosmith, you tried. Yeah, very it was close. Very very close. Very close, but no Notsker nomination for Aerosmith. No. Okay, and I think that kind of wraps up this episode. Um, you can find us on Twitter at ComebackAStar, and you can write us on Gmail at ComebackAStarPodcast at gmail dot com. Yeah. We um. We love feedback. We love uh, people leaving reviews on iTunes. That helps kind of promote the podcast, which, you know, we're we're little guys. Yeah, we um, we, we have a modest liter- listenership and we'd like to expand that. And we need your help to to do that with uh, maybe some reviews and also just letting your friends know. I think that's probably going to be the most uh, effective way to to spread the word around. Everybody knows a film nerd, right? Yeah, you know at least one. Yeah, someone someone loves uh, uh, old timey Hollywood in your life. Yeah, give give them a little a little present. This uh, and even if they're not in the thirties, we'll eventually get to uh, to the later stuff as well. Oh yeah, we're making our way through. Don't worry, eventually we'll hit the seventies, which is what I think most people are waiting for. At least what I am. (laughs) I mean, I love I love these old movies too. Yeah, uh, no, it's it's like I said, it's always like a really fun, almost interactive history lesson to uh, watch these old movies. Oh yeah, for sure, Mm. and just to see what people what people really liked enough to give an Oscar to. Yes. Um, which, as we found out. Sometimes aligns with what we like and sometimes aligns. Sometimes does not. Does not. Yeah. No. no. Okay. So um, stay safe, everybody. Yep. Put your masks on when you're going outside. Avoid that that plague. Do that. Um, and uh, get inoculated. Don't smoke cigarettes in general, but definitely make sure that no uh, COVID samples have fallen on it before you light it. Exactly. Um, <laughs> such a such a contrived moment in that movie i was like wait really okay okay (laughs) but uh yep that'll be it for now all right see you guys later take care everyone bye-bye